Hi, this is Nathan. Before we get to the episode, I want to invite you to join me on an incredible adventure this November of 2024. I am taking a small group of believers to Turkey, what the New Testament called Asia Minor, for a 12-day Bible study tour of the early church. We'll be studying the book of Acts and many of the epistles on location as we visit ancient cities like Ephesus, Laodicea, Heropolis, Antioch, Pergamum, and many more. If you are interested in joining me this November for a once-in-a-lifetime adventure as we study where much of the New Testament and early church took place, you can learn more by going to deeperchristian.com forward slash turkey. And if you're interested, don't delay. Spots are limited and on a first-come, first-served basis, and a $100 discount is available if you register before May 27th. I do hope you can join me. And again, more information is available at deeperchristian.com forward slash turkey. Now, here's the episode. Welcome to episode 185, a special Christmas edition of the Deeper Christian Podcast. This is the podcast to help you study God's word, know Jesus intimately, and discover how you can build your life around Jesus Christ. I'm Nathan Johnson, and in today's episode, I want to talk about the coming of the Lord. Let's dive in. Well, this week we are celebrating Jesus Christ. And one of the things I've noticed is that, sadly, as a part of the church, we tend to focus on celebrating on one day of the year. Like we have these little holidays, which are great. I'm not, I'm not downplaying this at all, but we have these holidays where we purposely set time aside to say, all right, we are going to focus and celebrate, right? We, we have Christmas, we have Easter, right? We have these events throughout the year where we pause and go, wow, it's a day of celebration. But you realize that we are to be celebrating the life, the death, the resurrection, the ascension, the outpouring of Jesus Christ every single day of every single year. That this isn't a one time a year celebration. That Christmas is a year long declaration and celebration. Easter is a year long celebration because we don't merely celebrate the birth of Christ one day a year. We celebrate his life every single day of the year. We don't just celebrate his death and resurrection in one season called Easter. We celebrate that all year long. We are to be singing it and shouting it and pondering it and meditating on this grand reality all throughout the day, every day of every single year. If you listened to last week's episode, I was talking about the fact that the reason for this season is not merely to celebrate a baby born in a manger. Yeah, we are celebrating the birth of Christ, and that is absolutely phenomenal. But we must not forget the fact that we are not merely celebrating the birth of Christ. We are celebrating the totality of his life and all that he has done, all that he is doing, and all that he is still planning to do in the days to come. And so this season, though we do set it aside to celebrate the incarnation, the birth of Christ, in reality, this is not a season for us to celebrate and then forget it the rest of the year. Well, I want to add one other thought to this idea of celebrating the coming of Christ, 
Because though we do at this season celebrate the coming of the Lord, I think a lot of times we forget that while we are celebrating his first coming, that there is still yet another coming of the Lord on the horizon. Jesus is returning again. What an incredible, incredible reminder. The Lord is coming back soon. In Revelation chapter 22, verse 17, there is a prayer that has been prayed for 2,000 years that the church and the bride, they say, come, come, Lord Jesus. It's that word, Maranatha. It's this idea, it's this petition, this plea, this longing of, Lord, may you return. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus, come. It's a great thought that when we get to pray for Christ's second coming, when we join the body of believers from 2,000 years and cry out with them, Maranatha, you realize that we are celebrating the fact and we're turning our gaze upon the reality that he will come again. And that is not just some hopeful or wishful thinking. He, in fact, will return. His feet will stand upon, upon Mount Olives once again. That mountain will crack in half. And he will be seen as who he really is. King of kings and Lord of lords. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That is reality. And it is coming soon. I want to encourage you in this season that while we celebrate the advent of Christ, the the coming of the Lord, let us not forget that he not only came once, but he promised to return again. And that this season, though we are celebrating the coming of the Lord, we're actually celebrating two distinct events. We are celebrating, yes, he came in the past. Praise the Lord. He came, he lived, he died, he rose again, he ascended, and he poured forth his spirit upon us. But he has promised to come again. And you realize we are closer to the return of Christ than ever before, which (laughs) I know that does make sense. It's kind of like, uh, yes, obviously, but we are one day closer today to the second coming of Christ. And though every, I understand every generation thought that they were in the last times. Every generation thought he could come in my lifetime. But looking at the state of culture and looking at biblical prophecy and looking at the, the signs and the seasons that Jesus said would come as this second coming approached, you realize we are getting close. I mean, he's just on, I mean, it's just on the other side of the horizon. I mean, we are on a knife point of his return. And whether or not he comes in our lifetimes, we need to live as if he is going to be returning soon. How would that change your life if you recognized that he could return in the next couple of years? How would that change how you spent your days? How would that change what you watched or what you listened to or or what you gave time to? He is coming soon. And that should be the reality and the drive and the focus that we live with. As such, let me just give you a encouragement and maybe a warning. The Lord is returning soon. And as such, we must make ourselves ready. I think for so many of us, especially in the Western church, you know, we've become so lackadaisical or passive in our Christianity. We just presume that because we go to this 
quote-unquote country club called church that were fine. But merely attending church does not make you saved. Just like walking into a garage does not turn you into a car. You realize you must have the life and the substance if you plan to spend eternity with Jesus Christ. In Matthew chapter 24 and 25, Jesus is talking about his second coming and his disciples say, well, what, what are the signs of these times? What, what are, what's going to happen? And so Jesus gives four kind of these pictures of what to look for as things kind of ramp up for his second coming. But then at the end of chapter 24 through chapter 25, Jesus begins to give four parables and they're almost a warning I've been meditating upon this over the last few weeks, and I've just been deeply pressing in my soul. And I've actually been deeply convicted because as I look at these four parables, I'm kind of shocked with some realities. And let me just, I'm not going to read the parables to you, but let me just kind of give you the big picture really quick. In Matthew chapter 24, starting in verse 45, Jesus is giving this parable about the faithful and the unfaithful servants. And then in chapter 25, verse 1, Jesus gives a parable of the 10 virgins. So five had oil in their lamps, five did not. And then in chapter 25, verse 14 onward, he starts talking about the talents that these three individuals had different, were given different talents. Uh, One was given five talents, one was given two talents, and one was given one talent. And we're speaking money, by the way, not like uh, gifts or abilities or talent in that sense, but talent in this context would be speaking of money. And so one was given five, one was given two, one was given one. And then uh, in chapter 25, starting verse 31, Jesus gives the parable of the sheeps and the goats. Now, what is interesting to me is that as I look at each of these four parables, everyone in the parable presumed they were okay. They presumed that they were in. They presumed that they, they had it. For example, when you look at the parable of the faithful and the unfaithful servant, both of them were servants. And yet one was found to do the things that he was supposed to do. He was faithful. The other one was actually thrown out because he was unfaithful. When you you look at the parable of the 10 virgins, it's interesting. They're all virgins. They all were invited to the party. And yet only five of them had prepared themselves. Only five of them had the oil. And yet five of them were thrown out because they were not prepared, even though they were banging on the door asking to get in. And all this time, they just thought they would have been okay. In the parable of the talents, isn't it interesting that all three of them received talent? And all all of them had the same exact opportunity. But when the master returned from his journey, the one who only received one, who did not do anything with this supply that he was given, though he thought he was okay because here he is, he's a servant, he was given something, and he even returned that which he was given back to the master. And yet he was considered a wicked servant because he did nothing with that which he was given him and he was thrown out. And then you have the parable of the sheeps and the goats. And isn't it interesting that the sheeps and the goats, they were all a part of the same flock. They were all doing the same kind of stuff. In fact, it's actually a scary thought, but as you're walking through Matthew 25 and he's talking about the fact that here are these goats, the goats actually thought that they should have received access into the fold or, you know, in, into the, the promise, the, the eternal life stuff. And they says, well, hey, when did we see you do all these kind of things? And when, when did we not help you? And in other words, every time we knew it was you, hey, we helped. Even though, okay, 
sure, the sheep did some other stuff we didn't do. Sure, sure, sure. But hey, we are a part of the same flock. And yet they were kicked out into eternal death. It's interesting. Jesus himself is giving these parables as a reminder of what happens in the last times. That chapter 24 and chapter 25 are meant to be read together. It's one discourse. And so here's Jesus saying, here are some of the signs. Here, here's, here's going to be kind of the picture of what's going to be happening in these last times. And let me tell you a couple stories. People are going to think that they're fine, that they're going to find, <clears throat> they're going to think that they're safe because they're just, they're a part of the flock. They, yeah, they attend church. They, they go, they know the language. They know the songs. They know when to stand up and when to sit down. And yet I'm going to look at them and say, I never knew you. Now that is a scary thing to me because how many people in the modern day church think that they're safe because they prayed some little prayer but yet they have no life within them. Eternal life isn't a prayer. Eternal life isn't a true and false test. Eternal life, according to Jesus in John 17, 3, is himself. Do we actually have Jesus? Do we have his life within us? Are we abiding in that vine? That is the reality. That's the question we should be asking ourselves. And if I can remind all of us, Jesus is returning soon. And he's coming back for a pure and spotless bride. And yet most of us are just tarnished and polluted with sin and the world. Let me just kind of end with a couple of verses here. In Hebrews chapter four, verse seven, the writer of Hebrews says, he appoints a certain day today, saying through David so long afterwards in the words already quoted today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, which is Hebrews 4, 7. The writer of Hebrews says, look, if God is speaking to you, if, if God is pointing or put, you know, putting his finger on something in your life that needs to change, don't harden your hearts. Respond. Tur- turn to him. Embrace the reality of Jesus Christ. Let your life be transformed. Psalm 24 verses three and four says, who shall ascend the hill of the Lord and who shall stand in his holy place? It is he who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully. That who's going to ascend the hill of the Lord? Oh, it's those who have clean hands and a pure heart who have not gotten wrapped up in the idolatry and the sin of the world. I love what Paul says in Ephesians chapter five. He's talking about what Christ has done for the church in this context of marriage. But in talking about Christ and the church, this is what Paul says in Ephesians 5, 25 through 27. Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle, or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. What is the church? What is what is our life supposed to be? Oh, without spot, without wrinkle, holy, without blemish. Can I ask you, have you recently brought your life before the Lord and said, Lord, will you search and try my heart and see if there's any wicked way within me? Would you actually allow the spirit of God to come through every crevice and cranny of your soul and see if there's any darkness? 
that he is light and in him is no darkness at all. And as such, we must come before the foot of the cross in humility and say, Jesus, I don't, I can't just remain the same way that I've been. Lord, I need a transformation of the mind. I need a renewing of my heart. I need the reality of Jesus Christ, your life within me through your spirit. And may I encourage you, if you have any ounce of darkness, if there's any sin, if there's any idolatry, if there's any corruption in your life, would you turn to God in repentance? Would you find yourself at the foot of the cross and would you cry out in mercy for his grace, his supply, his forgiveness? Because he is coming again soon, folks, and he is coming back for a pure and spotless bride. Paul reminds us in 2 Corinthians 13, 5, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail to meet the test? We are to test ourselves. We are to see if there's any wickedness within us, we are to see if we're actually in the faith. And isn't it interesting? He's writing to believers who attend church. So this isn't like, well, I know I'm an unbeliever or yeah, I go, I go to church. That's actually not the test. The test that we are to examine ourselves with is, do I have him? Is he actually in my life through his spirit? Do, do I just live my own life or is my life radically transformed by Jesus Christ? And not only am I saved, but is he actually changing and transforming and sanctifying and making holy my life? And I love this as just a meditation for this season, that yes, Jesus was willing to be birthed in a stable, a place full of muck and mire and junk, but yet he refuses to leave it that way. Yes, he's willing to be birthed in our lives. That is so amazing to me. Because our lives are full of sin and corruption. And while we were yet sinners, while we were shaking our fist in his face, while our lives were full of muck and manure, Christ died for us. But he refuses to leave us that way. Most of us just presume that because we've come to Christ or because we attend church, oh, we're good to go. And then I can just do whatever I want to do. Biblically, that's not true. God wants to change us. Do you not know that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, says Paul, that Christ actually lives inside of you through his spirit, that we are not our own. We were bought with a price. Therefore, he desires to change, to transform, to renew, to establish himself as king of kings and lord of lords in our life. But he desires to remove every ounce of darkness, every pollution, every twistedness, every impurity, every ounce of idolatry in our lives. He wants to remove so that we are a fit vessel for his presence. Oh, friend, may I encourage you. Let us not merely celebrate the first advent, the first coming of Christ. May we keep the fact that he is coming again steadfast in our mind. May we not forget that what we are celebrating is not merely his first coming, but his second. And if his second is just around the corner, we must make ourselves ready. We must allow the spirit of God to transform us. We must examine ourselves to see if we are in the faith. We must come and find ourselves humbly before the cross of Christ in a place of repentance. 
And as we enter into this new year, could you and I have this hunger, this passion for holiness, for sanctification, for renewal, that I don't want this next year to look at anything like this last year. I'm not talking politically. I'm not talking society stuff. I'm not, I'm not talking culture. I'm saying in my own life, with my own spiritual vitality with Jesus, I want to press into a whole nother level. I don't want any blemishes. I don't want any wrinkles. I don't want any spot within my soul. I want him to make me pure and spotless. And I understand this is a lifelong journey, but I want to press in under that reality to a whole nother level this next year. Well, it seems perhaps like a crazy Christmas meditation, but let us celebrate this week, not just his first coming, but also his soon return because it is just around the corner. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of the Deeper Christian Podcast. For show notes of this episode, including a list of all those verses, as well as a link to listen to a full-length sermon that I gave kind of on this topic, kind of was on last week and this week's episode themes. But if you'd like to listen to that, you can just go to the show notes for this episode where you can see a link for that. That's all found at deeperchristian.com forward slash 185 for episode 185. And please know that as you are celebrating this season and focusing on Jesus with your family, know that I am so excited for what God has in store in this next season for your life. So know I'm praying for you and I'm cheering you on and have a very Merry Christmas as you delight and focus on Jesus Christ.